Okay, we're going to get into uh, God's Word. If you need a Bible, raise your hand, and Steve would love to pass one out to you. If you do have a Bible, if you don't mind turning to Luke chapter 21 this morning. Luke chapter 21. No one needs a Bible, that's okay. Maybe you're sharing. I encourage you to follow along in the Scripture. Keep praying for our missionaries, by the way, too. Andrew in Ukraine, Andrew Tizik, John Tizik in South Africa, Verms all over the world, but he's heading to Asia. Um, and you can be praying for our Caleb as he heads home Friday. And uh, we're excited to have him home after six months being gone and see all that the Lord has done. Lord Jesus, we pray you bless your word today. God, speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, come into this place. Lord, you know those who need a little help today too. And we want to pray for that. You say that we can cast all our cares upon you. And I pray for Ken Gorham as he prepares for surgery to get some stints put in. Thank you that you've taken care of him thus far. Lord, continue to make him strong till September 10th. Your hand would be upon him. We pray for those struggling with illness, cold, sickness, that just won't leave their systems, Lord. We pray that you'd give them strength and that you would touch them. Lord, make them strong this day. Pray for Ralph as well, not feeling well at home, just getting weaker. I pray that you'd strengthen his body. Lord, would you give him the peace that passes all understanding? Lord, thank you for him. Thank you for his life. We pray for our loved ones who don't know you, who are far from you. Lord, would you bring them back to the truth of who you are and to your love? Yeah, Lord, we desire to see change in our community as well. We desire to see many people come to know you. Holy Spirit, would you be working to draw people to yourself? Would you use us? Would you give us boldness to speak your truth and your love? We pray for all the different churches in town that believe in you, that you would bless them this morning. May proclaim your truth and may many be encouraged. Lord, may the body of Christ be unified. Lord, to do your work for your glory. May we never think that we are alone or that we have it right. But may we always strive to have unity. Just reminded this week in Ephesians 4 that we're to keep unity in the spirit, the bond of peace. In this body and in the body of Christ all over this province and all over this world. Lord, we know it was your prayer that we would live as one. And may we do that as much as is up to us. May we live at peace with all those around us. Just bless this time, Jesus, we pray in your precious name. Amen. Okay, so I've had this... Uh, <laughs> I've had these thoughts for a while, but the Lord has brought me to other passages. We're talking about the words of Jesus. But I think a month ago, I thought at some point I should attack what he said about 
the end, the end times, because Jesus has said quite a little bit, and um, I think it's really important as I begin, as I've been studying the words of Jesus in regards to his return, the end times, to tribulation, to all that stuff, I find it utterly amazing that what he usually does is he speaks of the future for practical change for today. Jesus is concerned how we live today. And he's concerned how we feel today. And a lot of times when he speaks of the future, there's always application for today. And I think sometimes we get into this mode where we think, then, when we get there, uh, when it happens like this, and I think Jesus is more concerned about you today. I heard long ago, and I truly believe it, that in Hebrews it says very clearly, and I believe it, that today, he says, make sure your heart doesn't get hard. Today is the Holy Spirit's word. He's not worried so much of yesterday or tomorrow, but today, where are you? And so when Jesus is talking about what will happen I think there's a lot of mystery in regards to that. And one of my pet peeves, and just 30 seconds of opinion here, is when people get so into what's going to happen, and they get into these books, and they're trying to time it out, and make little charts, and this is how it's going to happen. I never think that was the intention of our Savior. Our intention of our Savior was to tell us He's coming back. He's going to be victorious. There's going to be a lot of turmoil when he does. But how does that affect the way we live today? You know, don't ever let thoughts of the future take away from your present day living with Jesus Christ. And that's really important to set that stage as we go into that. And all my application, by the way, will be about that. By the way, even if you look at Revelation, and maybe you're a Revelation person, uh, I try to read through Revelation quite regularly because it says there's a blessing to reading that book at the beginning. So I'm like, hey, even if I don't understand it, I'm going to read it. And at the end of it, it's very clear that he who keeps the prophecy of this book will be blessed. And I'm like, how do you keep prophecy? By practically applying it today to how I should be living And Revelation was written to seven churches that were under heavy persecution. So could you imagine you lived in a society where, in their time, it was the Roman government was persecuting them for being believers, and you're just put down, and you're just being tortured, and you're just being persecuted, and you get this letter because you're so beaten down, and the Holy Spirit has the awesome ability to encourage them to say hey listen what you're living now is not the end of the story and though you feel beaten down god is going to be victorious and he is coming back and you're on the winning side could you imagine that if you felt like there was no hope and if you were being persecuted what you would need is something to really really encourage you and actually that's where i think revelation was written That God is going to come back and judge. He's a judging God. And he will take care of all the evil that is persecuting you now. And he will come again. And you will be with him forever in eternity. And that's why when you read the New Testament, 
got a little bit of my teacher's hat on. When you read the word hope, hope, it's always in connection, or not always, but a lot of the time, with the Lord's return. Because it brings us tremendous hope. Because when we feel beaten down in this world by sin, by persecution, by what's going bad in the news, we have hope that all of that will be taken care of, that God is not silent, that he will come back, and that he will be victorious. Now that makes me smile. Now some of us don't think of eternity a lot because we think our life is just fine right now. But if we're going to live for Jesus Christ, it says very clearly in 2 Timothy, we will be persecuted. So we get, you know, the nerve up to be bold and the power of the Holy Spirit. A lot of people aren't going to like it. And as our society changes and we stand up for the truth and say, that's not right, the majority of our culture is going to be upset with us and actually will persecute us. And we're starting to see that happen in our university system that that people are being persecuted. But if we can say very clearly, no, I believe in Jesus, and Jesus spoke truth, you will be persecuted, but your hope is, he is coming back. Amen. That was just bonus material. Okay, so, Luke 21, I just have three sayings of Jesus I want to go through quickly and see how they can apply to us today in regards to his return. So, in Luke uh, 21, verse 8, we'll start there. The signs of the times of the end of the age. So they asked him, saying, verse 7, Teacher, but when will these things be? And what sign will be there when these signs are about to take place? And he said, take heed. And here's the number one thing I want you to write down or put in your head. In regards to the end times. And he said, verse 8, here it is. You do not be deceived. For many will come in my name saying, I am he. And the time has drawn near. Therefore, do not go after them. But when you hear of wars, commotions, do not be terrified. For these things must come to pass first. But the end will not come immediately. And he said to them, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. And there will be great earthquakes in various places and famines and pestilence. And there will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to synagogues and prisons. You'll be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. But it will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. Therefore, settle it in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. So he's speaking even of his disciples, and then he's going to go into the destruction of Jerusalem, and I don't want to necessarily go there. And then the coming of the Son of Man, which we'll talk about a little later But in Luke 21, the first thing he has to say in regards to what are the signs and what's going to happen, he says very clearly to us, take heed, you do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. Matthew 24, if you know your Bibles, is a huge chapter on what will happen as well. And I was reading the other day and he says the same thing. In Matthew, excuse me, 24, 4, take heed 
that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. Verse 11, many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Verse 24, for false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive even possible, or if possible, even the elect. Over and over at the beginning of Matthew 24 in regards to what will happen with the tribulation even before then, before the coming of the Son of Man, it reminds us and states to us again and again, do not be deceived. It says clearly, fearful signs, false prophets, false teachings, do not be deceived. We know that the devil is a liar, right? So he's going to use any means possible to lie to us, to get us away from the truth. He will use signs, wonders, arguments to cause you to fear and to be deceived. He will use supernatural things to deceive even the elect if possible. And we know when we read Revelation that the Antichrist is going to do many crazy things with the false prophets and do many supernatural things and people will follow after that. And you might say to me, well, that won't happen to us. I would say, be careful. Be careful. Again, my teaching hat is on, be careful. I think there is a lot of deception. I was watching something the other day quickly. Well, okay, I'll be honest. Confession. I got into America's Got Talent. But only because we record it and fast forward the commercials. <laughs> Anyways, okay. So, uh, any bad parts too. But there's this guy on there who became my favorite. Because one time we were watching him and he sang. And I'm like, there's something different about that guy. And Gabe's like, I know that guy. He sings for United Pursuit, which is one of my favorite Christian bands. So he sings his song and all oh, the judges are like, oh, you don't have a great voice, but your character is utterly amazing. It's just like, and I'm like, oh, yeah, well, I'll tell you why. And he adopted six kids and one in a wheelchair. And this, this guy's like amazing. And, and he comes from one of my favorite worship groups. And I'm like, oh, that's right. Come on. And, uh, but you know, it was funny. He was talking. You know, they had the little section about their story, little testimony, and maybe you would have saw that, and before he sings, you know, it's all to bring up your emotion, right? So you cry a little bit, and how he adopted these kids, and he got assigned to adopt his sixth kid who had cerebral palsy, and he says specifically, and you knew it, God gave me a sign. God gave me a sign. But you know what? They bleep it out. So you see his, move, his lips move, gave me a sign. So all you hear is, gave me a sign. And I'm like, turn up the volume! And they're like, oh, we love you. And he actually, he's on to the semifinals. And anyway, so I was on YouTube and I was watching him and thinking, oh, God gave him a sign and they bleeped him out. And then before like this, 
YouTube video of his testimony I was watching, there is a commercial. And I start watching it, and it's all about Jesus and how this neuroscientist in New York City came to Jesus. But then it got a little fishy. I was like, this is good. But then it started getting deceiving because it started talking about things that aren't necessarily true. And then on the bottom, I don't know if you've ever seen these commercials, it said, sponsored by the church of, I won't say it here, not, you know, blankety blank blank. And I'm like, that's a cult! I knew it was! And, you know, I, I hate to get you upset, but it is a cult. And it was the Church of Latter-day Saints, because I know their theology, and it's wrong. Right? It doesn't look, it presents a picture that they believe in everything we do as Christians. But the reality is, because one of my best friends in high school was from that belief system, they don't believe everything we believe. And I know it clearly. But they presented it in a way that it was just like us. And it was so deceiving. It was so deceiving because parts of it sounded so good, but yet the truth of it was deception. Why do I tell you that story and go back into that? Because deception is tricky, and on the outside, it looks really, really good, but internally, the truth is not the same as ours. And that's exactly how evil and the devil does it, and that's how it will happen, presents in some ways a piece of it like it's like us, and it draws it, but then the conclusion is different, but when we're sunk into it, and we haven't seen the deception. By the way, I've said this before, and I believe Satan's not going to jump out at you with the red suit and horns and be like, I'm evil. That's not the way he's going to do it in the end times. He's going to mix a little truth with a little lie. And isn't that how we lie, by the way? <laughs> Come on. Have you ever told a little fib? Well, there's a little truth, but it's not complete truth. Well, where were you, honey? Well... <laughs> Or you say, did you do this? Well, yeah, well, yeah, I did, but, you know. We are masters of taking a little bit of the truth and then deceiving to what the, our true meaning was in that situation. And because we learn that's the way you do it, but that's the way the devil does it. He takes just a little bit to draw you in. He makes something look religious. He makes it look good. But at the end, it's a lie and it's deception. And Jesus is saying, you better watch out. How many times over the years have we seen billboards? The Lord's coming back. Or we read books who don't say they're defining exactly when God's coming back. But boy, they sure give you a lot of reasons why to believe certain theology is correct. And we eat it up. And we eat it up. I just want you to be careful because Jesus tells us to be careful. He says, do not be deceived. Understand me. It won't be an outright lie that you will know, but it will be a mix. But it will take you to a place where you will not or you will question the truth of God's word. 
And what happens in religion is we bend things and twist things, and sometimes we start with what looks good, but then we bend it just like that commercial to, hey, they don't really believe in the same thing I do at all. And for us as believers in Jesus Christ, we have an anchor, and it's called the Word of God. And the only way you're going to know a lie is to know the... The only way you're going to know a lie is to know the truth. And unfortunately, in our Christian society today, we are going away from what the truth is. Thus, we're being easily deceived by false prophets and and false theology. But if we know the truth, and I'm not, you don't go around like, there are some people on the internet who are like these truth seekers, and they're just as bad as the other people. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about truth. And by the way, with the supernatural, which I believe in with a hundred percent, if the supernatural is connected to anything other than Jesus Christ, I've got a word from you. And it's this, scram and run. Even if it, oh yes, but I feel so good. Oh, I'm meditating and I'm stretching. Oh yes. This doesn't hurt me. No, stretching doesn't hurt you. I encourage you all to stretch. But if you are meditating on something other than Jesus Christ, and if you're having any supernatural activity in your mind other than being that led by the Word of God or Jesus Christ, you better start running and run fast because you will be deceived. Jesus said, especially in connection with the end times, be careful not to be deceived. Oh, yeah, other people predict all that stuff. You know, years ago, this is the truth. I, we had a midweek Bible study here. And there's a guy who came, and he was into numbers. And he predicted the Lord's return. You have a question, Paul? Yes. Amen. And to just throw on to that, if you know this, in 2 Timothy 3, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form, remember, a form, a lie, of godliness, but denying its power, that's Jesus. And from such people, turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist disproved concerning the faith. But they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest 
to all as there were also was. By the way, Janus and Jambres were the magicians in Exodus who Moses battled before Pharaoh. And does anyone remember? They could do the miraculous, but for how long? Only the first three things they copied, you know, the blood into water and all this, but there came a point where all their lies and deceptions had no power. But what is the application for us in these evil times, which are today and will continue, and I believe have been forever? It says, evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived, verse 13. And here's the application for us this morning. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known, and here it is, the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness." that the man or woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Do not be deceived. What is our personal application for today looking forward? Know the truth. Read the truth. Be in the truth. Talk about the truth. Okay. Luke 17. Let's go back to that. My second word. Time's moving on. Better roll quickly. So the first one was do not be deceived. Everyone remember that? Let's say it together. Do all right and you have to know you have to know okay luke 17 and maybe this is one you know or don't know but in regards to the coming of the kingdom of god when it will happen we don't know but we know it will come quickly he's very clearly in verse 27 they ate they drank they married wives they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that the Lord went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he who is on the housetop And his goods are in the house. Let him not come down to take them away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. Verse 32, remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. So my second thought in regards to the coming of the Lord, the Son of Man, is this. Remember Lot's wife. Okay, we know the story, right? Lot, Lot's wife taken out of judgment god came to judge sin what's god going to do in the end he's going to judge sin he's coming back to judge sin and take his church so he's going to judge sin but here lot's wife she was told what don't don't look back to your worldly things your worldly possessions and by the way, in Scripture, in terms of the Greek, when it says she looked back, it wasn't like, you know how we say, a quick glance. Oh, what is it? It wasn't like that. It was a longing stare. That will help you. Remember Lot's wife. Do not turn back to the things of the world. Judgment is coming. Whether it's goods in the house, relationships, 
Lot's wife was escaping God's judgment, but she turned back to worldly things. Can I tell you this morning, myself this morning, don't let the things of the world hold you as you look forward to the Lord's return. Keep your eyes on him. I heard a story on vacation. I was reading a book. And there was a young girl, and she wasn't a Christian, but she said, thought it was a good thing that she learned the value of money. Her dad owned a business many years ago, and in the business they had a, a cash register, and the whole place was on fire. The whole place was on fire. She saw her dad run back into the fire, grab the safe, and bring it out. The only problem was he came out, and his hands were utterly burned and scarred forever. She said at that point, I've learned the value of money, how much he wanted that cash register. So I've been careful with my money ever since. You know, I read that story, and it just made me sad. He turned back in the midst of that fire to go back and get something that permanently damaged him forever. This morning, unfortunately, I think in all our lives... Money and things, even relationships that are ungodly or don't have Jesus Christ as the priority can hold us back that we would longingly stare back when God would have us to look ahead. And I'll ask you this morning, is there anything holding you that you are looking back? It's funny, these, (laughs) I don't know, I even have it in my pocket. My cell phone, you know, that's a funny thing. I didn't have one 10 years ago and I could care less. But some days I wonder, does that hold me? Why do I have to look at it? Is it really important? The phone rings, gotta get it! Sometimes it holds me because sometimes I'm reading my Bible and it rings. And I have to look. And God says to me, you don't have to look at anything. If it's important, they'll leave a message. Isn't that true? But I just want to give you a practical thing, that there are other things that hold us, that we need to hear this morning in regards to the Lord's return. And when he comes back, the practical advice is, you don't know when in a moment. It's going to be just like regular life, marrying, doing business, buying, and God's going to come. Don't turn back to the things of this world. Actually, 1 Timothy makes it clear. If you read chapter 6, he says this. This phrase occurs three times. Lay hold of eternity. Lay hold of the Lord's return. That your life is about building up treasure in heaven and not on this earth. And to say in a group this size that we've got this under control in a country that is so materialistic and that holds us so much, we would be lying one to another. We would be lying to one to another if we didn't hold each other accountable to say, does the things in your life hold you that you are longingly staring at them and not looking at Christ and his return? What do you worry about? What concerns you? What do you think about? And I think a lot of us, it's our comfort, it's our security, it's our things. So instead of us having them, they have us. 
And there's relationships that have us. When God says, I'm coming, and I'm going to come and judge this world, and I'm coming for my church, and I'm coming back, and we're like, but what about? But what about? Practical application for today, thinking of the end. Do any of these things hold you? Do any of these things hold you? Do your finances hold you? Or do they flow through you? (laughs) And we need to hear that because I think in this country, in North America, that Satan has used things and money to lay hold of the church that it cannot live to the capacity that God would have it live to because we're way too concerned, like Lot's wife, about those things that she thought she was going to miss. And then he follows it up and says, unless you're ready to lose your life, you're not going to gain it. Hey, this morning, what are you holding on to that God is asking you to give him? I'm not asking you all to sell your stuff like Jesus to the rich young ruler. I'm just asking you, is there anything holding you so you're not looking at Christ and his return? So when his judgment comes, you're not going to be holding on to the things of the world, but you're going to be looking at him. I guess, remember Lot's wife and lay hold of eternity. Finally, Luke 21 do this quickly but (laughs) for me the most important one but take heed to yourselves verse 34 of Luke 21 lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing drunkenness cares of this life that the day come on you unexpectedly speaking of his return they will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth verse 36 Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. If number one was do not be deceived, number two was what? Remember? Remember? (laughs) Okay, let's try again. You're all sleeping. Remember? Do not be deceived. Remember Lot's wife. Don't let the world hold you. Number three, and finally, the saying I want to bring forth to you today is watch and pray. Be ready. Watch and pray. This, if you remember nothing else, I pray the Holy Spirit will minister to your heart right now. I'm going to read a little section. I pray that it ministers to you in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. Lord, we pray for Hillary. And they shall not escape. But you, brethren, listen to this in verse 4, are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, And as a helmet, the hope of salvation. 
For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Watch and pray. Be vigilant, that word watch, looking for Jesus, not worried about when and how, but this time when the Lord comes back will not overtake you because you're looking at Jesus. If you're looking at Jesus every day and living for him, when he comes back, it's not going to be a surprise. It won't be as a thief. Not that you'll know when and how, but you'll be like, oh man, God, you're coming. Pray. It's really, really important. Here's my final point. That you are living in the light when Jesus comes. That you're not living in the night thinking, oh, he's not coming. Now, I've been wanting to say this for quite a while. And I don't care if we're five minutes over. Listen to me. God has called you to live a life of holiness while you wait for his return. Grace does not mean that you go out and sin and believe what you want. Grace forgives us and teaches us to live a holy life. And so as you're waiting for Jesus Christ, you're in the light living a holy life. And if you are involved in any sin right now, and you know it's wrong, and you're throwing it off saying, Oh, well, God forgives me. It doesn't matter. You need to wake up. It does matter. He loves you. And because he loves you, he wants you to live a holy life and he's given you the power to do that. And your holiness doesn't get you to heaven. Jesus does. But because Jesus died for you and loves you, he wants the best for you. And the best for you is not to live in sin. And so often we're waiting for him, but we're living for the world. We're living in sin and we're totally in the dark and it's going to surprise us. And God's saying, you don't have to live like that. I didn't know a lot about the scriptures, but when I was young, I was taught about the rapture. And I just, last two minutes here, I'd come home and I wouldn't see a car on the street. And I'd get home, my parents wouldn't be home, and the garage was open. And I lived with such fear, you know what I'd think? They've all been raptured. <laughs> God, what did I do wrong? I was taught so much of the pre-tribulation rapture, and I'm not getting into that, what is pre, post, or mid, because application-wise, I don't think that's got anything to do with what Jesus says. What he's saying is live ready now, like he could return at any moment. But the problem was, I lived in such fear, when I didn't see someone, I'm like, ah! And I'm not saying... That God's not coming to judge because over and over he's saying he's come to judge. But I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, so I know he forgives me. Amen. I'll tell you a story like this. is how Why you should live holy waiting for his return. If my wife went on a ladies retreat, which she has in the past, and she said to me, I'm not going to tell you when I'm coming back. But I want the house clean. I could come back Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday. She's never done that. But I'm not going to tell you. So, what would be the reason that I would keep that house clean? If my reason for keeping the house clean was fearful, I'm fearful of my wife, that is the wrong motivation. Oh no, it's a mess. She's going to be mad at me. 
She's never going to kiss me again. She's going to yell at me. She's not going to cook my favorite food. That motivation only lasts for a time. But you know, what's the greater motivation? My wife is coming back. I don't know when she's coming back. She loves me. I love her. And she's asked me to keep the house clean. What's the greater motivation for me keeping the house clean? Got to be ready, but why do I want to be ready? Because I'm scared of her or because... Say it again. Because I... And she loves me. Now think of that in turn. The Lord's verse. I'm leaving. I'm coming back. You don't know when I'm coming back. I want you to live a holy life. What is my motivation in regards to that to live a holy life? Because what? Because He... And I... And the scripture says, if I love him, I will obey. It's not because I'm fearful. Oh no, I'm not going to go to heaven, Lord. I believe in you. Everyone left. You left me here. It's God, I love you so much. I want to see your face. And I want my life to shine for you. Because you love me so much. You told me what the right way to live is. And I want to respond to you. And if you live like that, you will not be surprised. And that is the way to live. Expecting the Lord's return. It is watch and pray. That you will escape this because of love. And so if he asks you to do hard things, I know he has best for me. And out of that love relationship, I will respond. And the church for too long has feared people into holiness, waiting for his return. But we are called out of love to live holy lives. What are you struggling with today? Hey, an audience this big? Let's take the big ones, external ones, little ones, internal ones. Someone says, oh, I struggle with uh, pornography. I struggle with gossip. I struggle with this. I struggle with that. And I'm like, man, God's going to get you through. But you know what? In a group like this, you know it's harder to get rid of? You know, we look at those people. Oh, I can't believe this. I can't believe you do that. Oh, we can't associate with them. And we're full of stinking pride and selfishness. And we judge others. We've got slander on our lips because we're selfish people. We're judgmental people and we slander and we're like, oh, that person. I saw them steal. I saw them smoke. Holy Spirit, would you come into this place because you want to make us holy internally. You want to take the pride and the junk and the selfishness. You know what? I really believe all those external things are from internal problems and sin, unforgiveness, bitterness, hatred. And until we deal with the internal stuff, the external stuff is just going to show itself. But God is calling us to holiness today, not because we only fear him, but because he loves us. And have you ever lived a life when you weren't thinking of yourself? Let me ask you, were you happy? (laughs) I bet you're a lot happier than when you were thinking about yourself. And he says, I'm coming back. This is his statement. I'm coming back. Watch. Be vigilant about holiness. Live in the light. Then you're going to be ready. Because you're going to want to see him. Because you love him. 
And by the way, I'm not going to be attracted to the things of the world and look at them. Who are they? To the one who loves me. I love him so much I want to be with him. What is all this junk behind me? Take my wallet. Right? Take my phone. It doesn't matter in eternity. Streets are gold. Maybe I'll be able to communicate just... (laughs) I don't know what heaven will be like. But I just want you to know today. Let's do it together. Because He loves us and we love Him. Do not be... Number two, remember... And number three, watch and... Jesus, practically speaking to us, looking into the future. His return should affect you today. And don't get worried about when or how or two returns or one return or what tribulation will be or how it will be or when it will be. Let's get to practical application today that we can live for him because we'll get through no matter what it is. Amen. We've lost it. We've gone way too intellectual. And we've lost the practical application of the words of Christ. And we have churches splitting over eschatology. Isn't it silly? Oh, you're not pre-trib? I can't associate with you. Oh, you're any of those? I know I'm not that. It's all an allegory. Hey, what is Jesus telling us today? Lord God... In this moment, we need time for response. I want you to listen to God now because he does a way better job than me or any one of you. Is there anything in your life that you need to confess to him? Any sin that is holding you from being vigilant in watching and waiting for his return? Just listen to the Holy Spirit in your life. Forget about what's next today or what you got going this week or school coming. Now it's time to listen to Jesus. I don't care if it's 12 o'clock, 1230. We want God to speak to us. Is there anything that you have to confess to him and ask for forgiveness for? Is there anything? Let him speak to you. Here's the good news. If you confess your sin to him, he's faithful and just to forgive you. That's his promise in 1 John 1.9. And we're going to celebrate communion. And the elements are in the back. And what we're doing is we're remembering what God has done for us. That he died for us. And all those things that just brought to mind the Holy Spirit. And as we confess them, we can remember that is completely forgiven. And we are fresh and new And we are clean, and he can say, go and sin no more. You are pure, you are clean. My grace has forgiven you, and my grace will empower you. When we take communion, we're remembering 
that he has dealt with that stuff. The word of God says very clearly as well, though, sometimes we need to confess our sin one to another that we may be healed. It says that in James chapter 5. And as we take communion and the elements are in the back and you retrieve them quietly and respectfully, they will be brothers and sisters. And if you're really feeling the leading of the Holy Spirit to confess something and get it off your mind, it's therapeutic sometimes to realize, someone to tell you, that's forgiven. Do that. Follow the Spirit. Don't be afraid. If not, you've dealt with God, that's fine. I'm not here to pressure you. I'm just here to tell you that people are waiting and ready to pray with you, to hear your confession, to remind you that you are forgiven and that you are free. If you don't know Jesus Christ today, you've never thought of Him, you don't have a relationship with Him, and maybe you're living under the burden of sin He's here to tell you that he has forgiven you. He loves you. Would you choose to believe in him this morning? The word of God says, if you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that he died and rose again, that you will be saved. And if that's you, as the brothers and sisters are in the back, you can come to them as well and be assured as you believe in him that you are forgiven. Jim's going to sing quietly and respectfully. Or if you need prayer, Let's just celebrate Jesus. Let's respond to his Holy Spirit this morning. Let's worship him.